You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad that you could join us today. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. And before I jump into this week's episode, I wanted to take a moment to thank all my listeners for uh, supporting the podcast, listening to it. I hope it's been enjoyable and fun for you guys to do so. It's been definitely for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, this episode is going to be released on Tuesday, October the 25th. The following episode I do won't be released until Tuesday, November the 1st. So uh, this is the last episode I'm going to be doing before this Halloween. So I wanted to just take a moment to wish everybody happy and safe Halloween. I hope you guys have a lot of fun. Um, if you follow me on uh on the various uh, social media accounts that I have, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, definitely post your pictures. I want to see the costumes. It's really fun, especially to see the young kids get excited and happy about Halloween because I know my kids do. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a really great weekend. I hope everyone has a lot of fun celebrating this weekend. Uh, really quick before we jump into this week's episode, I also just wanted to acknowledge that uh, the LA Galaxy unfortunately did not come through. Uh, they didn't; they were eliminated from the playoffs, like I feared they might have been. Even though I was kind of riding high uh, with confidence that they maybe could beat LAFC, but that turned out to not be the case. But the team played with a lot of heart. Uh, they left it all on the field. Uh, they made it a really great competitive uh, game to watch, and they gave it their all. So it's going to be really fun to see the Galaxy play next season. And I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. I can't wait for Major League Soccer to start again. Of course, I mean, we still have the playoffs going on now. And uh, that being said, uh, I'm already rooting for, rooting for the Philadelphia Phillies to win the World Series for baseball. So I might as well stick with Philly for soccer as well. I'd love to see their team, the Union, win MLS Cup because uh, I can't stand LAFC. <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, I have you know friends of the podcast, good friends of mine who love LAFC. So I believe Eddie Ramirez and Sean Lovano, both of which have been frequent collaborators to the show, especially Eddie, uh, loves LAFC. So good for them if they win, but uh, I hope that they don't. <laughs> so sorry, Eddie. Sorry, Sean. Um, and yeah, yeah. So one last thing I wanted to bring up really quick as well. The first trailer for Atman and the Wasp and Quantumania was just released today. Uh, I'm recording this short intro on Monday, October the 24th. So really excited for that movie. That should be really, really great and fun. Okay, so this week I'm going to be talking to my dear friends, uh, Kimmy and Nathan Cross, about uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. So I'll be back in just a little bit to introduce that segment. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. So as mentioned earlier, uh, this week's episode is going to be covering The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime extensively. Uh, spoilers, massive spoilers on the first season that just finished airing on uh, Amazon Prime. So uh, this is going to be a, a, a unique and fun conversation with the crosses. I know Kimmy and Nathan are big fans of the Lord of the Rings uh, franchise. Uh, and we have an co extensive conversation about the show, things we like, things that we didn't like so much. Uh, overall, we do recommend the show highly. We thought it was really great. But I understand that there have been uh, mixed feelings from the fan base in regards to the show itself. So we go over that. And uh, personally, I wanted to make my opinion clear that uh, I love podcasting. I love being able to be a content creator and share my thoughts and have friends and family who know me want to listen to it for entertainment purposes. And I am excited over the concept that everyone else can do that too. So you can get so many YouTube videos, uh, podcasts, whatever it is, talking about the things that they love and then, you know, criticizing and critiquing things that they think could be better. So I think that's a really important thing to do and to not automatically assume that it's, you know, racist or sexist to say, oh, I don't like this because of that. So, you know, for instance, a lot of the heat that The Last Jedi got, I think there were legitimate concerns and complaints about that movie. Uh, and there could be legitimate concerns and complaints about The, the Rings of Power. So more than all the power to all those who, who didn't like it and still created content to talk about it. Uh, personally, I did enjoy it, even though I do acknowledge there are faults with the show. Uh, so, again, it's up to you. Uh, be, be your own judge as to where you, whether or not you want to engage with something. Uh, personally, I do recommend The Rings of Power, but I understand for the, the point of view of people who do not. Well, anyways, that's enough of me talking. Uh, I want to get into this conversation with the crosses because I think we have some interesting things to share. And I think it'll be fun and entertaining as well. 
Um, okay, so here we go. This is my conversation with Kimmy and Nathan Cross about Amazon Prime's The Rings of Power. Returning to the Casting for Fun podcast are my very dear friends, Kimmy and Nathan Cross. Kimmy, Nathan, how are you both? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> Good to have you both back on the show to talk about stuff that we love. And uh, yes, I mean, I, I guess I just automatically assumed that you you guys like the Lord of the Rings. As Kimmy, you had mentioned that you, you there was some type of reference to Frodo and Sam in one of our uh, Stranger Things episodes. Yeah, yeah, we you assumed correctly. We are pretty big Lord of the Rings fans. <laughs> okay, very yeah, cool. A lot so, of it, sorry, a lot of it for me just comes from my my brother. He got me into the movies, and now we watch. We try to watch the extended editions once a year now. Oh, awesome! Very Not cool. that much. Very good. Very good. So, so actually to start out, I wanted to talk about that. So again, for, for those tuning in or listening, not really tuning in because it's not live, but <laughs> for those who are listening to the podcast, we're going to be talking about Amazon Prime's uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power extensively. And there's been lots of op- opinions about the show, some really positive, some very negative, but we're definitely going to be talking about this and having fun doing so. Uh, to begin though, I wanted to actually ask you about that. So how did you guys uh, for, get first introduced to the world of Tolkien and like the where you first introduced to the books, the movies, the cartoons. Or how did you come to know and love the Lord of the Rings? I'll I'll go first. For me, it was the movies. Um, uh, I wasn't very interested in them. I didn't even see Fellowship or Two Towers in the theater. Um, Two Towers was actually my first exposure to it, and I'll tell you how. My sister and her friends had the DVD copy. And they were watching it and I wasn't very interested, but my room was down the hall from the TV room. So from the hallway, you could see the TV, right? And I was walking, I think from the bathroom to my room and I glanced at the TV and then I leaned back out from my doorway to, <laughs> to keep watching the TV and it's the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? What's going on? Oh my gosh, that's cool. Whoa, that's cool. And if I didn't want to to barge in on my sister and her friends so i literally just sat there in the hallway and watched the rest of two towers from from helms deep onward and just thought oh my gosh this is amazing and the next day i asked brianne i said what was the show the movie you're watching and she told me she goes there was a first one that's the second one i was like there's a first one (laughs) (laughs) and so she sat me down we watched fellowship of the ring and i um i remember that as soon as it ended that closing shot of Frodo and Sam walking toward Mount Doom and then it fades to the credits. I went, wait, wait, that's it. That's it. She goes, there's a second one. Remember? I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and since then I've, I've read the books and just fallen totally in love with it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. For me, when I was younger, <clears throat> I knew about Lord of the Rings uh, through family members that had read the books and had recommended them, but I had never re- read them. I was exposed to the cartoon, like the really old, like 80s. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it it's charming in its own way. <laughs> um, yeah, Golem is interesting. But mm-hmm. um, so from there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then when the movies were starting to come out, my brother, uh, James, was super excited about it. He had read the books and uh, his excitement rubbed off on me. So we went and saw fellowship like opening night and i was hooked from that point forward and uh since then i i haven't actually read the physical copies of the books i started so many times but i've gotten through uh an unabridged audio book version of the entire uh, lord of the rings trilogy so i feel like i can talk about <laughs> talk about <laughs> and uh yeah we, we, we haven't read the Cimmerillion though am I yeah. saying that right Cimmerillion. No, okay. Cimmerillion so full disclosure yeah our our extent of Lord of the Rings knowledge really is well the Lord of the Rings not not and anything. the Hobbit we've we read the and Hobbit. the Hobbit I have read the Hobbit I did read that <laughs> oh okay yes. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I think my experience is very similar to yours, Nathan. Um, I remember in elementary school, my my teacher showed us the, the animated Hobbit movie. And I only vaguely, vaguely remember it. So I don't think it left like that much of an impression on me. But uh, when Fellowship came out, it was actually the perfect time for me because, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Kimmy, you're celebrating your anniversary from re- returning home from missionary service. Uh, mm-hmm. When I ter- returned home, it was uh, uh, December of 2001. So it was like 
all the trailers were out. It was being really hyped up. So it was like the perfect time. Oh, this is definitely want to be the, the first movie I want to see as soon as I'm able to. And yeah. just like you, Nathan, I saw it opening night and loved it. Uh, probably saw it at least three or four times in the theater, along with nice. the other two, the Two Towers and Return of the King. So, yeah, I absolutely loved them. And the, the Hobbit movies I thought were great, too. Not quite as good as Lord of the Rings, but there was just something really special, I think, about everything that Peter Jackson and his team did with those movies. Absolutely. Yeah, completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Yeah. 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 So so as soon as I heard, I mean, it was many, many years after that, uh, they're actually going to be developing uh, Lord of the Rings show on Amazon Prime. I was actually really excited. So do you guys remember when you heard the news? Because I know this has been a, a project long in the making for like at least like four or five years. I don't remember when I first heard about it. Um, I remember first hearing about the bidding war that was going on for right. the for the rights to make a show. And when Amazon was like billion dollars, I I laughed. I was like, this is either going to be the biggest hit or the biggest flop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's, that's the first time I really heard about it. And then, uh, yeah, it's kind of followed news here and there. Since yeah, then. I was apprehensive. I was like, oh gosh, it's just, it's another cash grab. It's a reboot. It's a, you know, cause we've had so many, uh, of those you know mm-hmm. cash grab reboots and i thought that was kind of what it was going to be but we did a good job of not getting our hopes up yeah in, <laughs> in fact i would say in part because of your podcast and you're wanting us to talk about this show was a good motivator probably the prime motivator for us to sit down and watch the show we did so starting out reluctantly and then well we have we have things to talk about after that yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, very cool. So I definitely want to jump into that now. So so here we are. The, the show is coming on the first season. Uh, we know, as, as you mentioned, Nathan, Amazon paid a really hefty price to get this. And my understanding was there was supposed to be at least a grand total of five seasons. Uh, and I guess with the amount of uh, investment that they put into it, I mean, they want to get a good uh, return on their investment. So my, my guess is, regardless of what the fan reception has been, I guess they want to make these other seasons as well. So, I mean, considering the amount of money they paid and, and, you know, hopefully they are making their money back. So uh, general thoughts, what, before we jump into specific story arcs, because I I definitely want to do that. What were your general thoughts and impressions after having watched all eight uh, episodes of the show? We were very pleasantly surprised. I I loved it. Nathan, you loved it too. And we I, I did. Yeah, I I think we both came into it going, okay, let's just brace ourselves. Let's just get through this first episode. Oh, oh gosh, it's eight episodes long. Okay, well, we can do this. All these episodes are an hour long. Oh, this one's over an hour long. Oh goodness. And then we just got hooked. <laughs> After the first episode, we were like, oh my gosh, this is actually pretty good. The acting is is really good. The production values, the visuals and things Visual effects are, are, great. are really impressive. You can tell they put a lot of money into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, I think we were just, we were very pleasantly surprised. It was nice to see different sides of some of these characters that we've come to know and learn a little bit more about their background and history. It was really interesting and culture. Overall impression for me is it felt like something Peter Jackson had his hands on, even though he didn't. You know, but that's probably the highest compliment I could pay any movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I felt similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of interesting. So, yes. Yeah, so when they announced that it was going to be showrunners, uh, I have their names here in my notes, uh, G.D. GD Payne and Patrick McKay. And I believe actually Patrick McKay is a member of the church uh, who I guess both of them just had experience mostly writing Hollywood scripts, but not actually show running something this massive. So I know there was some controversial about that pick from Amazon's part. And the fact that uh, I guess Peter Jackson had been approached, according to a report I read in Variety, where he initially turned them down, the, the, the showrunners and producers at Amazon Studios, saying that I guess he wanted to see scripts and he was promised that he would be shown scripts, but then that never happened. So I know that could be a, a situation where, you know, you have the fans on the internet complaining like, oh, you clearly didn't want Peter Jackson. I don't know what exactly happened, but maybe there was something lost in translation. But my my understanding was, again, according to a report I read in Variety, is that they uh, specifically intended to not include Peter Jackson and his team of uh, Fran Walsh and Philip Aboyans, who won you know Oscars for their work with uh, Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so maybe that could have been a red flag. 
But but that being said, I like you guys. I I'm impressed impressed with the show we got. I thought it was really good. But but that being said, I will play devil's advocate and acknowledge that there are some flaws with the show. Uh, <laughs> I guess kind of, yeah, there are. <laughs> I mean, uh, just kind of just off the the top, what I would probably suggest is I remember Kimmy, you had mentioned before with our conversation about Stranger Things that you have to kind of like, care about the characters at least one or two, and the more even better. Uh, I felt it was kind of hard to really get drawn into the characters. I guess with the, the TV show format, we're going through storylines a little bit quicker. Whereas in Fellowship, I mean, you, you meet Gandalf and the, the Hobbits, and you don't meet other characters until gradually. Eventually, you get to meet Aragorn and uh, Legolas and Gimli, the rest of the Fellowship. So mm-hmm. I really liked how Fellowship was done. It's facing and in introducing us to the characters, and they had easier names to remember. So I think that also made it. <laughs> that helped. <laughs> So definitely, I would definitely give uh, Fellowship the nod as far as like uh, the character development and liking the characters. Not to say that Rings of Power had bad characters, but I, I guess I can kind of understand where some of the complaints might have come from. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. If I had to say, you know, which cast of characters I love more, absolutely Fellowship. I, I love those characters. I like these characters. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Fellowship characters. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a few characters from Rings of Power that we could probably say that we might just love those characters. Sure. Yeah, but it's nowhere near the entire cast. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then one other thing that I would mention: uh, music, I think, plays a really big part in drawing you into any type of project. So Howard Shore's musical score for the three movies was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess he only did the theme song, so the rest of the music for the show was done by another gentleman. Uh, if I might not have in my notes here, uh, Bear McCreary. Uh, I, I guess I'm sort of familiar with some of his stuff. So it, the music was good, but I mean, again, I think I, I would put Howard Shore's musical score on par with what John Williams did in Star Wars, to be honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with that. It's iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, visually it was fantastic. I think the overall story we got was good. And uh, the fight sequences, I mean, there, there weren't as many as in Lord of the Rings or the other movies but the fight sequences we did get i thought were fantastic as well so to be yeah. honest that's what i would say yes that you can there there's parts of the show that i didn't necessarily like but overall i thought the show was really good and really worth uh, the time for people mm-hmm. absolutely cool so let's go ahead and jump into some of the character arcs where this is where it might get a little bit of con a uh, little bit controversial so starting first with galadriel so did you guys like the portrayal of galadriel in uh, rings of power I think it was really interesting, as a general note, to see elves emoting. (laughs) And again, it was emoting on a very lower level because they have very restrained personas. But it was very interesting. And at first, I want to say it was just a little bit off-putting or it was a little odd. It took a little bit of getting used to. But then by the end, I kind of appreciated it. It, it humanizes the elves a little bit more, which again, I know just by saying it humanizes the elves is kind of like <laughs> contradictory to what the elves really are. But um, I don't know. I, I I found it was it was interesting. I wasn't um, I don't know won over entirely. I liked her portrayal. I thought she was pretty. Uh, I don't know if cursing is allowed on your podcast. <laughs> But um, I, I can edit it. <laughs> pretty bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> I agree. And uh, I thought she was very interesting. I loved how driven she was to, to a fault, you know, at some points. And um, I was just saying to Nathan, like, we really got a completely different Galadriel than the one we got in the original trilogy. In the original trilogy, she was kind of just a, she was a fixture, you know. Um, but if you took the Rings of Power Galadriel, popped her into the original trilogy, she would have joined the Fellowship. She would have been like, okay, I'll take the reins, move aside, Aragorn, I'm going to take over and lead this Fellowship and let's go get Sauron, you know? So that was very interesting that we're seeing a completely different Galadriel. Um, but for me, that's believable because it's literally centuries between Rings of Power and the events of the original trilogy and people change. You know, people mature and they they grow and they learn. And um, so I will totally accept the fact that, yeah, Galadriel probably did used to, to be 
like this from the rings of power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no absolutely totally, totally I, agree oh sorry go ahead nathan i was just gonna say that overall i liked her character um it, it's just again i think it's just just a little different like it's gonna take people some getting used to uh, absolutely agree yeah yeah uh wh- one thing i wanted to touch on i mean it's kind of simple or i mean kind of silly i think to have to dwell on this but i know a lot of the things i've read online is the they hated the aspect of galadriel being able to slay a troll by herself essentially <laughs> uh, and again i mean it, it seems kind of weird and crazy because I, 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 they, they make the argument that in fellowship of the ring it took the entire fellowship to take out one cave troll but at the same time, I mean, like I think it's being kind of nitpicky because uh, you had a mountain of orcs that they were also fighting at the same time. And I mean, I think it's oftentimes there, there could be, you know, drawing out a battle for the sake of having the excitement. And we get to see the scene yeah. where Frodo gets stabbed and we think he's dead, but he had the Mithril shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. So as far as Galadriel being able to take out a troll very easily, I think it was done not so much to make her look like a Mary Sue character. But just to show just how battle driven she is, where the other elves are not, because they don't want to accept or believe the fact that Sauron's still around. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, again, I, I, I respect other people's opinions. I think it's great that people can make YouTube videos and talk about things like that. But uh, at the same time, I think sometimes we can be a little nitpicky about things. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a little picky. I, <laughs> I would not describe her as a Mary Sue. The, the most Mary Sue moment that happens, there's one. And it's when the pyroclastic flow is blowing through and she's just standing there taking an entire face full of it. And then very beginning of the next episode, she stands up and just dusts herself off. Like, no, no, everyone's on fire. Everyone's ashes. Oh, everyone would be melted. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about that later. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part down, for sure. <laughs> yeah. As far as her taking down the cave troll, though, if you, if you remember in Fellowship, Legolas was the one that took it down in the end. Yeah. the elf right yeah. and uh, in that moment i remember when we were watching it i just said to nathan like man all those other elves are so incompetent look she just stepped in and took it down like that and it makes sense like you said albert they were none of them were motivated they didn't want to even be there yeah so of course she's the one with the the motivation to just you know yeah they were even i mean elves don't get tired but they were even expressing that they were tired at yeah. that point and she is just like let's go let's go let's go it makes sense to me Okay, so I had a question. Let her be awesome. Let her be awesome. (laughs) It's cool. Okay, so so as you guys mentioned, I mean, you're not necessarily Tolkien scribes, but I mean, you love the movies, and that's where most of your information comes from. So, I mean, had had you read the books at all, or no? Yeah, we've both read the first three books. Oh, okay. I think you had mentioned that earlier. Okay, so it's it's interesting to me that a lot of the complaints people are saying is that it's not in line with what the books are saying. Or the the story that Tolkien's kind of written now, and the controversial statement I think I would make is I don't know if Tolkien was really like the best at storytelling. To be honest, there's a few things that I think some things that I consider to be kind of mistakes. Like, so we talk about Galadriel. Oh, Galadriel shouldn't be able to take out a troll by herself. But in the book version of Return of the King, Pippin takes out a troll by himself at the Black Gate. Which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, again, that was omitted from the movie version, but there's a lot of inconsistencies like that, such as, uh, I guess, uh, Faramir, so Boromir's brother, uh, wasn't affected at all by the ring. So he just kind of like neglected it. He said, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to try and steal that from you. I, like, it has no influence over me, which doesn't really make any sense. But again, uh, I'm more in tune with what the movies have taught us, that the ring is all powerful and that it can corrupt anyone from Gandalf and Galadriel all the way down to Frodo. So, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, we could spend a lot of time just talking about that. I don't want to spend too much time on that particular subject, but I think there's been some discrepancies or maybe aspects of Tolkien's work that I don't think are, um, I don't think we have to like follow to the letter of the uh, the law because it may not actually be that good to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it takes Frodo like uh, what fifty years just to get out of the Shire, and yeah, literally, <laughs> it's it's very yeah. His uh, he was incredible at world building. That was his strong point. But when it comes to storytelling, yeah, Tolkien, uh, he did a great it job. A bit. <laughs> he did a great job with the overall character arcs. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the the pacing for the books, especially the two towers. That's a prime example. It's all over the place. 
Yeah. You you two towers, you get like, here's this person's story. And then you switch, here's this person's story. And it it's kind of jarring the way it's written. Again, these were books. They were never meant to be turned into movies mm-hmm. or TV shows. Like that was something he probably never even imagined would happen. So the fact that we're here with more Lord of the Rings content out in the world, that's actually good. Yeah. And that- I think... I think we should just be happy. And you have to consider, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you have to consider too that, you know, those are two completely different mediums. Mm-hmm. To take a book and translate it exactly as it is into a movie is impossible because they're two different mediums. You just can't. There's always going to be little changes and differences. You just have to be okay with it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. overall, yeah, I was going to say overall, I, I think we all agree like Peter Jackson, Philip Boyens, uh, I'm forgetting everyone, Fran Walsh, oh. they did an insanely amazing job adapting that to film and i think they did a i don't know i mean i'm not again familiar with the cimmerillion but i'm invested in what the show has done so far and what they're going to do next oh absolutely yeah so for those who are listening i mean please don't take it as me wanting to just bash tolkien because i mean obviously i'm a fan of his work (laughs) Uh, i just think there's been uh uh, improvements to the adaptation as, as kimmy had mentioned uh, so for, for those who don't like the Rings of Power, uh, I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely do. But at the same time, I, I would just tell people that the the books aren't necessarily always better. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that's the simplest way of putting it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so go, going back to, unless there's anything more you want to talk about uh, Tolkien adaptations or... I just, I just think, I mean, I don't know a lot of these characters from the Cimmerillion or anything like that, but the ones we are somewhat familiar with or we know lead to other things i think they've done a good job honoring those characters oh absolutely yeah yeah uh so with that we get to get a little bit more uh backstory with elrod and his relationship with Durin, which i guess was sort of hinted at before i I don't recall maybe but uh their arc was actually pretty cool and entertaining so what did you guys think of elrod and Durin and the discovery of mithril which I, i think maybe that's a departure if i'm not mistaken from how it was found in the books I can't remember how it was found in the books, but uh, Elrond and, and Durin was that was our favorite part for sure of the whole show. They're oh, they're oh. probably our top favorite characters. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah, and Durin's wife, she's she's awesome. Oh, her <laughs> name was Diza 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 D I S A. Think it's Diza. Um, but yeah, loved her and loved that relationship and. Just wanted to hug him and squeeze them both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool, very cool. That's right, another the first shot of Elrond. I was like, "Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm running over you." The first shot of Elrond, I was like, uh, "I don't know," but then they developed this relationship, and now I'm just like, "I love him. I love him. I love him all." <laughs> very cool, very cool. That's another aspect that I kind of wanted to just address briefly. That uh, I understand there was some controversy with some of the casting decisions. Uh, personally, I don't have any problems at all with having a Hispanic elf or a black dwarf or a black hobbit, or I guess technically a Harfoot. I guess they're not called hobbits just yet, but, uh, I mean, so, so again, I I can understand if, if people don't necessarily like the character itself, that that's totally fine. Totally great. But, uh, to kind of base it entirely on race, I, I I don't know. It's just, I, I wish people would, uh, uh, not do it that way, to be honest. I didn't realize that there were people that actually we're hating on the fact that there was diversity in middle earth now <laughs> i yeah, think it's maybe, great maybe I I the internet a little too much. <laughs> it was one of the first i didn't even notice i mean at first yeah because we're just used to seeing more representation in, in media now yeah um but i don't think it was until you pointed out like oh it's cool to see black hobbits and i was like it's oh awesome. yeah yeah you're right it's honestly awesome mm-hmm. and i think it's because lord of the rings it's for everyone it's not just for the white audience that the books might have originally been written for mm-hmm. it's for everyone and it's awesome to see them embracing that and it felt so natural in the show it didn't stand out it wasn't like waved like a flag in front of your face it was just done so naturally that again like kimmy said you don't even really notice yeah. it until you stop to think about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so c- continuing on with the hobbit center i guess technically the hard foots uh so the wanderer stranger story arc uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating, too. In fact, actually, Allison called it right at the very beginning. Oh, I think that's Gandalf as soon as we saw, we saw him. Like, what? Are you thinking? Are you, are you crazy? Oh, yeah. but sure enough, she was correct. So, oh, you know, I totally forgot to mention, this is a massive spoiler podcast. So for those <laughs> of you, we're already well into the podcast, but I'm assuming, yeah, most people probably know that about 
listening to us talk. <laughs> so, so what did you think of that story arc and particularly focusing on the, the Harfoot? So uh, Nori and Poppy, I mean, again, they were, they were great, but I mean, they're, they're no, they're no Frodo and Sam. Uh, again, like yeah. you can't touch just with the, uh, Tolkien did with those characters initially, but I did think that their story was kind of interesting, and particularly the story of the the wanderer slash stranger. Yeah, I really liked that whole story arc. Um, uh, like you said, they're they're no Frodo and Sam, but I did like that there were girls. That was nice. There were more girls, all you know, in general in this whole show versus the original trilogy, mm-hmm. where there were like three. Um, but yeah the whole the whole story arc was was fun the i i called it as soon as he landed i was like oh that's probably gonna be gandalf you know and then mm-hmm. um we we both agreed that it was kind of slow and stretched out a bit um the whole reveal of who he really was i feel like shouldn't have waited until the finale because we i mean we all knew by then right and and then they tried to do this you know oh he's actually sauron and i was like no he's not this is gandalf <laughs> And, and then sure enough oh yeah he's not sauron he's he's gandalf and it's like yeah we knew that show we knew that <laughs> so it was a little um i i it was cool but i i wish that they had uh treated us more treated the viewers as though we were more intelligent than they did yeah i, I feel like we could have got a little bit more variety in that storyline than we maybe than we did Mm-hmm. But overall, I enjoyed it. I thought the Harfoots were actually really interesting. Their nomadic lifestyle, their camouflage was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I I found all of that to be very, very fascinating and interesting. And to learn that, you know, we've always seen the Hobbits as like just generally good folk. But these Harfoots are also flawed in some pretty significant ways. That uh, also I thought was very interesting. And uh, I don't know. I overall enjoyed that story arc quite a bit. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I like that. Getting to see Gandalf melt some witches was pretty cool too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the witches refer to him as a, a, a starry, as starry, I think. And I, I, I think that is taken from lore that uh, a starry were like, I guess like angels had been sent to middle earth to, for, to take on the, the, uh, the form of an elderly man uh, to, you know, to oh. guide and, and protect and uh, help help the citizen the the people of middle earth so as you know as in the lord i think i think it was the extended version of the two towers where gandalf has the line i am saruman or as saruman should have been so i guess all the wizards are there to essentially be good and to do good for for middle earth which i guess i was that was taken from the the book itself so that was actually a cool inclusion i thought i like that yeah yeah and i I pointed out to kimmy too that when the stranger falls um, he doesn't even quite really remember who he is, much like Gandalf when he comes back as Gandalf the White was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's what they used to call me, Gandalf, Gandalf the Grey, I'm Gandalf the White. Um, it was it was interesting to kind of see that little parallel. Just, again, cemented the fact this is totally Gandalf. Yeah. And then they even had the, the line for, for Nori, uh, whenever in doubt, follow your nose, the exact same mm-hmm. line yeah. to uh, Mary in the minds of Moria. So that, that was really cool. That was cute, yeah. Made a smile. (laughs) So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of him in the the upcoming seasons. Again, I thought that was an aspect of the show. I thought that was really well done. Mm -hmm. Um, So Halbrand Sauron. Okay, so uh, Halbrand, I believe he was a brand new character created exclusively for the show. So I think there were some exceptions people took towards that. If he got a new character um, that people don't necessarily like very much and I guess there have been some people who didn't like the idea that he turned out to be Sauron, even though I guess Sauron had the reputation of being a deceiver. I just don't know if he ever took the form of a human before. So if I guess if people take exception with that, so be it. But I thought it was uh, kind of interesting. So what did you think of the the reveal of who the true identity for Sauron was? I, I liked it. Um, I thought it, it caught us both completely by surprise. We did not see it coming until that last episode. Yeah, it dawned on me partway through the beginning of the last episode. I went, oh my gosh. And Kimmy's like, what? Tell me what. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It was it was pretty great. You're right. I don't think we know if he ever did take the form of a, of a man. But I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, why not? It, it makes sense if he's the deceiver and he... I mean, it makes him that much more scary, if you mm-hmm. ask me. And um, 
and poor Galadriel, I mean, her whole arc and, and it ending with knowing that the one thing that was driving her for centuries was literally right next to her mm-hmm. <laughs> for months on end being her friend. Oh my gosh. Talk about trauma. Um, they and- didn't, Go ahead. You, you mentioned this, they did a great job of giving him the story arc that felt fairly familiar of like, Oh, here's this deposed nomadic King who is the one true King of the Southlands. And it was, you know, but he's hesitant and he's done things and he doesn't feel like he's worthy of it. And it's just, it's like, oh yeah, this is Aragorn all over again. And then when it turned out to be Sauron, it was like, oh, kind of like that. Uh, they they kind of threw us with that, which was pretty great. But there were lots of clues along the way. The fact that he was wearing dark clothes and Galadriel's all in white. And he, in the last episode, was wearing the same necklace when he when Galadriel confronted him about his heritage. He's wearing the same necklace that the betrayer butcher of the Southlands, the one who uh, mm-hmm. uses the key, he's the same exact necklace. And he's the one who's all about Sauron coming back. And, and it was just like all these little clues. And uh, it, I thought it was cleverly done. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated just getting to know Sauron. It's as strange as that sounds. In the original trilogy, he's just a big eyeball that goes, I see you now and then, and that's it. You mm-hmm. don't get any character development at all on Sauron, which is okay, because the original trilogy is, it's all about the Fellowship, right? Yeah. Um, but you always got to have a good villain, right? So if the original trilogy did have any kind of weakness, that would probably be it. We don't really get to know the villain as a person at all. But mm-hmm. now finally we do. And I'm like, cool. Thank you, show. For giving us some Sauron character development. This is this is fun. I liked it. Yeah. And how how he kind of bent Celebrimbor to his, you know, into using the, you know, creating the rings of power, how he, you know, is very, very well done, very crafty. Mm-hmm. I liked his character overall. Very cool. Yeah, I totally agree with both uh, your assessments about the the Sauron uh, story arc that we got to see. And as you mentioned, Nathan, yeah, there were clues along the way. Uh, I I decided to go back and rewatch it. I'm only on episode four for a second rewatch, but there are been there have been a few. Like you know, he he dropped the line of Luke's can be deceiving to Galadriel when they were on the, the okay. ship that, that yeah destroyed ship thing. And uh, and it was even mentioned that uh, men of the Southland were actually on uh, 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 Morgoth's side. Who's obviously uh, who Sauron was following, uh, and then I guess uh, the map that they said look, looked like—I mean, there was the map where they were trying to re or establish or build uh, their land. Uh, was the Southland land like on the map of the Middle Earth? Uh-huh. So it was kind of hinting. I think it was giving us even clues that the Southlands was eventually going to become Mordor. Mm-hmm. And then speaking yeah. of that, yeah, so that was actually a really cool addition they added as well, because I believe in the books, they don't discuss how Mordor was actually formed, so that we actually got to see it firsthand. I thought that was actually a really cool inclusion. It was very cool. That was so cool. Like, at first, you're like, what is going on? Are they going to flood it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that sucks. And then you realize, oh, <laughs> they're going to just blow it up. Oh, my gosh. And then the, the VFX on that were pretty incredible, too. Looked, mm-hmm. looked really real. Yeah. yeah. So that was really smart. Mm-hmm. So and I just want to say the stranger does just, or not the stranger, but the Hullbrand does just walk right into Mordor. It's not I mentioned it. One can simply walk into Mordor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> if you're Sauron himself, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So that, that'd be an example of like, yes, it, it didn't take what was given us to in the books, but I mean, there was very little, if anything at all, about really the f- formation of how Mordor came about. So there had been, I guess, inclusions that I thought have actually been really well for really well done on the show, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention uh, that we get to meet is Sildor as a young man. That's actually kind of cool. And I'm, I'm curious to see what his path is going to be like in the show. In fact, uh, it's kind of funny. So Allison enjoys the shows with me. Uh, she doesn't know nearly half the names, but as soon as she heard Isildur, she immediately recognized him. She was like, oh, that guy's bad news. Like, yep, you're right. <laughs> so we're, we're going to get to see his journey, which will be pretty interesting, I think. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very curious about, you know, the the tragic trajectory that his story is going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting where we left him, too. Everyone's assuming he's dead. We, of course, know he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is in Mordor. Right, mm-hmm. that's where he is. Yeah. He's in Mordor, 
Yeah, so, and the yeah. horse is going back to hopefully find him. We, yeah, so we it'll assume. just be interesting to see what happens with him next season. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I had a few just kind of like lore questions. And when it comes to Lord of the Rings, but of course, I wanted to get to your talking points. Did you have any additional things you wanted to bring up about the show? Mm-hmm. We do see. have a few. Oh, we really liked how Numenor, how closely it resembled Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that was really cool. And we're a little foggy on this. Maybe, you know, Albert, but Numenor does get destroyed, right? That was actually one of the questions I had for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, so so in uh Fellowship of the Ring, uh Gandalf and Elrod are having a conversation. They're they're saying, you know, that uh Gandalf tells them we're gonna trust in men to be the new leaders of Middle Earth. And then Elrod's explaining, you know, men are weak, you know, the, the blood of Numenor is all but spent. Uh so I mean, I'm assuming Numenor does get destroyed, but I think they have to explain that or address that. How I guess certain members of uh Numenor are the the Dunedain, as it were, such as uh uh, uh Aragorn. And so how that actually comes into play, the fact that you have certain humans who can live longer than regular humans. But that would be an interesting concept that I think they're going to address on the show eventually. But again, I don't know personally what happens to Numenor. Right. Well, we do know that Aragorn is related directly to a Sealdor. Uh-huh. And so I would assume, like when I saw Elendil, first of all, the light of Elendil, like that ringing bell. Um, but uh, I'm assuming that he is probably one of the Dunedain. Because oh, okay. he, he hinted, his character, he talked about it, he hinted that he had a backstory that we don't know about that may have actually been somewhat royalty related. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he hinted at it, but we never got clear answers on that. So I'm assuming that they are Dunedain. And um, with the whole Minas Tirith architecture happening at Numenor, we're also anticipating that we're going to have Numenorians transplanted over to Middle Earth and to, to, to set up Gondor and Minas Tirith. Yeah. Okay, that totally makes sense. And then also the fact that uh, Elendir has a, a close relationship, or at least uh, you know respects the elves, whereas the other uh, citizens of Numenor don't. And that would mm-hmm. explain how you know eventually in Aragorn's life he gets to live in Rivendell. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. things like that. Yeah. So that that totally makes sense. Yeah. That Isildur would also be uh, Dunedain, and I guess his sister as well, who was also created specifically for the show. Yeah, that was that was an interesting inclusion, and it's it's interesting that the king was telling her like you're going to be queen one day, mm-hmm. and we both went what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that how that comes about. And what did she see in the plant here? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, very cool. Uh, did you guys have any additional stuff? Oh, sorry. Hang on. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Da, 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 da. Oh, it was just really cool seeing Casa Doom in its heyday um and or or moria um that that (laughs) it made the thinking back retroactively now on the scene where the fellowship is traveling through the mines it makes that so much more tragic now knowing that there were families that lived there you know it wasn't just a workplace a big mine it was an actual city you know where people worked and lived and and grew like oh my gosh it was so beautiful all the the greenery in there and the water i was like oh my gosh this looks like the genesis cave from wrath of khan this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's so yeah i thought it definitely gives credence to what gimli had talked about because i mean gimli really talks it up like this is a beautiful place this is like you know amazing you're going to get the hospitality of the the dwarves and then Mm -hmm. i mean it's even more of a how heartbreaking it must have been for gimli to see it the way it was in fellowship it makes his reaction that much more uh, understandable now. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just being dramatic. He was feeling what we all can feel now. It's like, oh man, this is awful. Which I think this highlights another big talking point for us is the fact that this show, we don't feel like it's taking away. If anything, it's adding to yeah. what we have. Because now going back, we're going to rewatch the trilogy extended editions at some point probably before the end of the year, going back now and watching these characters in action is going to be so much more interesting. I think we'll be paying so much more attention to the little things just to see, oh, hey, that does connect back. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know. I agree. This is so cool to see Moria like that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Moria, one other thought. Sorry, Albert. Um, oh, you're fine. You're fine. The, the Balrog. Oh. <laughs> I was really hoping we'd get more Balrog, and we didn't. And I was like, 
dang it. Yeah, they just teased us. <laughs> yeah, it was just a teaser, but oh well, season two, I guess. Yeah. So very good. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, and then uh the 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 stranger, the wanderer, and uh Nori heading off to Rune. Question mark. Have no idea what that is all about. Yeah, you know, I don't going going to investigate where these the, the witches came from. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's that's all we have. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, okay. So so one additional question that I had for you guys then. So yes, as you mentioned, Nate, uh they, they created the three rings for the elves, which are essentially gonna be, I guess, uh the the lifeline that they're gonna need because they, they wanted the Mithril, but the, the dwarves or, or Doran's dad said no. Um, you know, it's kind of funny too. So I remember uh after watching the show, that's only at that point when I'd be willing to go and watch all the YouTube videos that people are making, whether it's positive or negative. And there were people who were kind of complaining of fact that, uh, well, what are you going to do with Mithri? Are you going to like inject it into you or something like that? So people didn't like that idea. But to me, it almost seems that being in proximity to any magical item in Middle Earth can have an effect on you, right? The yeah. fact that, uh, uh, I mean, you you wear the Mithril. I mean, it, it's, it's armor, essentially. Uh, the sting, uh, Bilbo's sword glows when orcs are near it. So, I mean, that's an effect of being near. And of course, mm -hmm. we saw that you didn't have to even be wearing the ring. You could, the ring could call out to people at various times. So, yeah. to me, it kind of seems like, yeah, I, I, I get your point about injection, uh, the mithril, but I mean, it just seems being in cross, close, close proximity to any type of magical item can actually affect you in Middle Earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it isn't Arwen's. Even star necklace is that made from mithril? I'm assuming now. Do we know what it's made? I, from? I don't know if we know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I I I accepted it. I was like, yeah, mithril is a nice cure all. Okay. <laughs> I I accept that. Cool. <laughs> okay, but when going back to my, my my original question, so with the three rings, so we see that the the elves are going to have it. So I guess that's going to help prolong them or save them from whatever's. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess because the the tree was destroyed. Was that right? From the beginning, or I, I kind of was a little lost as to what exactly is affecting the elves now. Yeah, all we all, all we know is that there's the symbolism of light and darkness. Okay. Yeah, and they they hinted at that too when they talked about the, like where Mithril even came from, which was kind of a cool little story bit. Uh huh. Um, but they basically talked about the fact that darkness is kind of infecting the land, and it's a sign that Sauron is still out there. Um, and right. And so their their light is fading. They need so more light. It was evil. The evil of Sauron was yeah, I draining think the light from their tree. <laughs> I think it's like literally more symbolic than anything else. Well, sure, but it's also literal. And the same thing happens to Arwen in Return of the King. Uh, remember when Elrond mm -hmm. says her fate is now tied to the, the fate of the ring and whether or not you succeed because the evil was draining her life force away, you know, and affecting her and that's why all the elves were leaving yeah at the end of the two mm -hmm. so yeah okay so it was kind of interesting to see that uh hallbrand slash sauron was actually you know creating those rings for him so it kind of goes along the lines of yes he was the deceiver he created those rings to trick people so the elves got three the cell dwarves get seven and then the humans get nine but i guess only the humans were actually corrupted by them right the, the nine nazgul so I guess we do we know what happens? I mean, obviously, Galadriel in the extended version of uh, Fellowship, she ha she shows her ring, so she has it. But I guess it didn't affect her the same way that the nine rings affected the the human kings, the Nazgul, right? Yeah, I I, I did a little bit of research on this. Um, well, first of all, I like that fact that Galadriel was saying like, okay, well, one ring corrupts, right? Which we yeah. we know. Yeah. One ruler and corrupts. One ruler corrupts. Two divides. But three can can stand together. Um, oh, that makes balance. sense. Okay, there's balance. Like okay. Yeah. So Galadriel gets a ring. Elrond gets a ring, and then another elf gets a ring. And I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's actually like a seafaring elf kind of guy. Okay. And eventually, he gives up his ring of power to Gandalf, if, if I remember correctly. Oh. I know. Is that interesting? Oh. Okay. Um, but. But yeah, it, it seems, um, I think Galadriel's, the, the explanation of Rings of Power is going to give us is that Galadriel's plan to go against what Halbrand was suggesting, hey, make two rings, um, was no, we're going to make three rings. We're going to subvert his plan. I know he's up to something, but doing three is probably going to protect us. And I think that was the smart move. 
And I think that's gonna lead to the creation of more rings of power because Hall Brown's realizing, okay, well, the elves outdid me on this one. So let's make more. And I I would like to submit the idea that the dwarves actually were corrupted and that's what drove them to dig too deep and too greedily until they hit the Balrog and it destroyed them all. Um, oh, that's, that's maybe, always maybe the it, headcanon that I'd always accepted. Yeah, and maybe okay. that's because they, they see what the Mithril can do for them. They're like, we need more. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I like that. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, yeah, so that's pretty much all the talking points I have. Did you guys have anything else for tonight with uh, the Rings of Power? No, just we were happy with it, and we're excited for season two. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you guys liked the show. So if it turned out that you guys didn't like it, I I probably feel really bad since you kind of watched it on my account. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) We have have you to think, because it might have taken us a long time to come around to watching it, um, but I'm really glad that we did. Mm-hmm. And I and I would encourage people who are kind of sitting on the fence, like about it, to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Even I, after I, all the spoilers, it's still yeah. worth watching. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah, imagine most people who who want to watch it probably already have. And if you haven't, I'm so sorry that we spoiled it for you. But there was a description in the podcast, so <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I I really enjoyed the show. I mean, again, it has flaws, yes, and I can understand if people don't uh, like it for following Tolkien's work. Exactly. I can get that as well, but also at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think, uh, we shouldn't necessarily be, uh, drawn in to the fact that, okay, if it doesn't follow it exactly, it's not good because I think it actually can improve, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree. Very cool. Well, okay. Well, if there's nothing else for tonight. We'll definitely uh, go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, we're not going to get another season, I think for a few more years, I think now, probably this earliest 2024, I think. Oh, it's so far away. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, so so we'll definitely find another show between now and then. I, I did hear that uh, uh, Loki season two did wrap up filming, so I guess next summer we'll get that one. But we'll try and get together before that summer. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> okay, we have so, fun doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kimmy and Nathan, for joining me tonight. I hope you guys have a really happy Halloween with the little one and have lots of fun this week. Thank Same you, to you guys. Too. Have a good Halloween. Okay, thanks. Okay, you've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.